0: Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and this is episode 57 of the show. Welcome. I have a super special episode in store for you today. This is officially going down as one of my all-time favorite interviews. This is part two with Chris Singleton. Chris is a husband, a father, a former pro athlete, an inspirational speaker, and a children's book author, just to name a few things. Chris's mom was tragically murdered in a mass shooting about five years ago by a man who wanted to start a race war, and ever since then, he has been on a mission to spread the message of loving those who are different than you. One thing that Chris is particularly passionate about is racial reconciliation, which is what I had him on the show to talk about. This is part two of our conversation, so if you haven't listened to part one yet, please go back and do that first. We discussed the events that led to his mother's death and how he handled those as a young man, and also what he's been learning along the way since that day, particularly about what racial unity really looks like. Today, we're continuing this conversation and talking about some hot-button issues that a lot of people disagree on and a lot of people have questions about. I call them hot-button topics, but what I think you'll learn from Chris today is that they really should not be. I don't want to give too much away, but I love the part in the show when Chris says that racism has nothing to do with politics. So let's stop politicizing it. It's a heart-to-heart issue that we can work on together. I loved hearing Chris's heart and perspective behind this and I think no matter your background and no matter your skin color, you will learn from him too and ultimately be encouraged and inspired. Which makes sense considering he is an inspirational speaker, right? We also talk about some fun things that Chris is up to like writing books and starring in documentaries, all the things. We talked about everything today. So listen to part one first and then dive back into part two because you don't want to miss either one of these episodes. As you're listening, don't forget about leaving a rating and a review for the show. This is something that really only takes a few minutes and it's really, really helpful to me. I want to take a minute to acknowledge someone who did just that and read a review that I received. This is from JBE84. They said, I love the variety of topics and people that Mackenzie brings on her podcast. From racial justice to poverty to addressing ethical clothing and bees, she's diving into topics that we all need to know more about. That about sums it up, okay? I have a very broad range of topics on here, something for everybody, right? But all topics that I'm really passionate about, and I don't waste my time on topics that I don't think matter, so you're always going to learn something on here. Thank you so, so much for that review, and thank you if you've written a review also. I swear I read them all, and it means so much to me, but it is more than just positive affirmation, okay? It really helps other people to find this show, and I want more people to hear these conversations, like the conversation you're about to listen to with Chris. So please, rate and review the show, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes, and without further ado, here is part two with Chris Singleton. So I want to go back to something that you said earlier. You were talking about being what it's like to be a black man and get pulled over by the police and how, yes, in fact, that is a scary thing. That's not just something that people say, like, that's, that fear is real. And I wondered if you could share about kind of taking that same approach to other things that a lot of people dismiss, like white privilege or privilege based on the color of your skin. Or I mean in general just racism. I think a lot of people don't think that racism in its truest forms really still exist. And there's lots of different types of racism, right? We we can it can be so discreet that we don't even realize it. But I think there's a lot of people who dismiss those things and instead have stereotypes surrounding people of color. You know, like, well, white privilege isn't real. Like, these people just work harder than those people, or whatever it is. You know, I've heard a lot of things like that, unfortunately. So I just wondered if you could kind of share about that, whether it's your own personal experience or just what you've learned and just addressing these myths that, you know, these are made up concepts.
1: Yeah, I could dive into this super, super deep, um, but I'll just say this. So I always use an example. Number one, if you're, you know, if you're a you know white person who's, you know, under 30 or whatever it may be, and, you know, you were blessed to have a grandfather that had a house, you know, they, or a great grandfather that had a house, we were able to pass that house down or whatever it may be. Um, a lot of people don't understand how hard it was for people that look like myself to get a loan, you know, 60 years ago, right? People think mm-hmm. that if you just work hard, you do X, Y, and Z, then you should be okay. Well, well yeah, I believe that's true. You you can definitely be okay, but it's a difference between ownership and just doing okay. Um, that, mm-hmm. That's one thing people need to realize the history of our country and realize that people were segregated, not, you know, 150 years ago, but you know, 60 years ago, which isn't isn't that long. Mm-hmm. We have people that mm-hmm. were alive and living and, and teaching and, and thriving during those times that are still living today. Yeah. Number one, number two, when we talk about white privilege, I think people cringe when they hear the words white privilege. But I break it down like this. So I'm a black man who had two parents that went to college, right? That that, educate, that were educated, had good paying jobs, um, and so I always say I'm privileged. And the fact that both of my parents went to college. And so now I'm thinking I have that opportunity, right? So I think most people just think, oh, you know, this person works harder than that person. So that's what, there's no way I can be privileged. I work extremely hard, right? I I work so hard, but I'm still privileged because both of my parents went to college. right? I'm privileged Mm -hmm. because I I had a scholarship in college. I don't have student loans, right? I'm I'm privileged in all these different ways. But I think some people think when you hear the words privilege, privilege, you don't think people worked hard. Um, mm-hmm. so i don't i want to make sure people understand that those are two separate things right i'm privileged as a black man because my parents went to college you may be privileged as a as a, a person that is caucasian because maybe you don't have the same hurdles that you have to jump through like i do maybe you don't have the same fears or maybe you're just more ambitious because you see it possible because you see people like yourself everywhere that are doing the things that you want to do whereas maybe with mm-hmm. me there's not a ton of you know black children's book authors that are under 30 like myself so I, i'm not privileged enough to see this person and that person everywhere to give, and it gives me the feeling like I can do it as well. It's like, well, I don't really see a ton of people doing it. So I'm going to be the first person that I've seen do it. Um, So I think if we could just think a little bit differently about the words white privilege or, or just being privileged overall, I think we have a, a, a very different perspective on those two words. Another thing that is so, so important and I've seen this for people that are getting getting into social work. So there are different organizations that you can go And the first year that you live somewhere, right? Or the first year that you, you get into social work, you have to live at or below the poverty line. What does that mean? I think the poverty, I, I can't, don't quote me on this, but I think it's maybe 14000 or $12,000 or something along those lines. Maybe mm-hmm. you know better than me, but, or maybe you've you studied it better than me, but I think it's like, those are the numbers, right? So instead of saying, you know what? Before I go work as a social worker with these kids that are in these rough communities, maybe don't have the resources that I had growing up, you literally live at the poverty line. So then you're saying, you know what? Instead of me saying, why don't these people work harder or do X, Y, and Z? Why are these kids you know, so bad? You realize, man, living at the poverty line is extremely hard, right? And imagine doing so mm-hmm. with kids and doing so when you're working two or three jobs. People then realize, okay, now as a social worker, I can... I'm more empathetic to people because I've been there before, right? I I realized that it was tough for me to make my rent and still pay for X, Y, and Z, for daycare, for this, for that, for, for diapers and for whatever it may be. But then they can put themselves in those shoes and they realize it's not just about working hard. Some people don't have the opportunities. They aren't privileged enough to have two parents that went to college like myself or aren't privileged enough to grow up in a house that was owned by your parents or aren't privileged enough to never miss a meal. So I think when people stop thinking that people aren't working hard and, and realize how blessed they are and they have been. That's when I think people would be more empathetic and realizing, hey, I didn't choose my parents, didn't choose the fact that my parents were, you know, went to college, didn't choose all these different things in my life, didn't choose that uh, my son right now, he, he didn't choose that daddy works hard and that daddy's providing a good life for him, and, and some kids' his parents don't have that for, for for them, right? So when we think about it as the things we don't choose or the things that, or put ourselves in those positions, I think people will stop saying, you know what, if they would just work harder, if if... X, Y, and Z would just happen. Then people would finally start to realize that those things are different than what they've been thinking for years and years and, and decades, even.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so good. I think it's it's one of those things that's really hard to understand if you don't have a good understanding of, for one, our country's history. And by that, we don't just mean slavery, obviously. Like we mean, like you said, sixty years ago, fifty years ago, like even our more recent history. But then also, I mean, I think if you just lack compassion or don't see others as significant as yourselves, and I think that's one thing I've noticed when I've talked to other white people about this subject is there are plenty of white people who, you know, haven't had things handed to them easily. They've had to work really hard to get to where they're at. And it's as if the term white privilege demeans that for them in some way. And I've seen it explained well in that white privilege doesn't mean that you haven't had a hard life. It just means that your skin color wasn't one of the barriers for you when you were, you know, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, essentially. For sure. And yeah, I think I think something too to note is like you were saying, like fam- family history is huge with that. Like I always I say, I think we're all just trying to do like a little better that, than we had growing up. Like when we have kids of our own, it's like, okay, this is, you know, I had so many things, but I also want to change this, like about how I grew up. Right. We're all just trying to do like a little better by our own kids. And for so many people, like I, I know, so I have a friend who Uh, mentors a younger black man and so when he graduated high school she really helped him to navigate the college application process and loan process and walked him through a lot of that and you know he he graduated college which is amazing and he had a few things happen along the way that made things a little harder for him he ended up having a child that was somewhat of a surprise but a lot of people would ask her like Man, do you think he's gonna? Do you think he's gonna break this cycle and like turn things around for his family? And she was like, "What you don't realize is that he already has. Like, his mom is a crack addict and grew up giving him drugs. And the fact that he has a college degree and is, you know, a father that doesn't give his kid drugs, like that's huge. And I think, obviously, that I'm not trying to say that that's the story for all people of color." But I think what we don't realize is so much of our barriers for all of us, no matter our skin color, is just overcoming what we came from or, or trying to do a little better than that. And so, yeah, I think people just really need to have a little more understanding and, like you said, empathy to see that just because we might have privilege in one area doesn't mean that we didn't work hard. It's not like it's not a attack on us by any means. Um, it's just acknowledging that other people ha- might have more barriers than we do.
1: That's so well put. Um, even just, I feel so blessed to be, you know, born in the country that I was born in, right? I feel like I have so many different opportunities that people outside of the United States don't have or aren't blessed enough to have. Yeah. And so, even in that sense, I feel like I'm privileged, right? Not just because I'm, I have two parents that are, you know, have college degrees or taught me to strive for excellence, but I'm also privileged that I was born in the United States, right? I think people. We'll take that for granted as well. But no, it's it's a blessing to be where I'm from and to, to be even growing up in the time that I've grown up and, and think things are possible. Even though I may not have seen somebody do the things that I want to do, I think that it's possible because um, I'm living in a time where I believe that maybe it may be a few more hurdle, hurdles, but I think it's still achievable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And with regards to that, I saw something that you posted the other day. Um, you posted a video and you were sharing about the, I I think it was like the NFL took, uh, did did some kind of appreciation thing for your mom. And I I saw you talking about kind of, I mean, obviously that was a really cool thing, but when you got on social media to, to look more into it, you saw some things that were really troubling. Do you want to share about that?
1: Yeah. So the, 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 situation that you're speaking to is it was actually a really really good thing the nfl's doing um the nfl's doing an inspire change campaign uh with people that mm-hmm. have you know been that have died for wrongfully right so with mm-hmm. my mother if you don't know like i said she was murdered in a racially motivated mass shooting here in charleston there's no mm-hmm. you know gray area with it the guy literally said i wanted to start a race war in the country that's why i killed nine mm-hmm. people in our church Um, so Mm -hmm. when that happened NFL uh, they said you know what I want to honor different people that have been wrong that have been hurt by systematic racism or been hurt by just racism in general and one of the people we want to honor is Sharonda Coleman Singleton right my mom and so different players Mm -hmm. were wearing my mother's name on her helmet on their helmet while they played this year one of the guys by the name of Randall Cobb is doing so and so I went to the page NFL you know Posted a picture about it, and so I went to the page to, you know, say thank you and, uh, you know, tag Randall Randall Cobb and just say how I appreciate him. And as I opened up the comment section, there are just hundreds and hundreds of comments, and they are all just you know disgusting comments, right? Where people are saying, I, I won't say her name. She doesn't she doesn't deserve it, or they're saying, you know, what did she do? What did she do to be killed the way she was? Right? They're saying. Uh, oh yeah, let me guess—another black person that was killed by the police or p- killed by—and so people are just saying. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe there's you know 50 comments like this because you know some people are just unfortunately they they look to to stir the pot, right? So I yeah. think that I was thinking, okay, maybe 50 people, 100 people. Then I kept scrolling, so there was probably 500 comments, and over 400 of them were just like, nah, I'm not saying her name, like she doesn't deserve it, like she she probably did something wrong," and it just it tore me to shreds because. My mom was the nicest person in the world who was murdered because of the color of her skin, right? While she was praying, she was mm-hmm. shot six times. And so I'm saying, mm-hmm. why would somebody say this without having no idea who she is, but automatically assume that she did something wrong to be killed the way she was? And so that's that's what happened. And it tore me it tore me down. And I'm usually a person. I've got high spirits. I'm on a, a mission to put an end to racism, right? So I know I've got a huge task ahead of me. I'm, I'm a very mm-hmm. optimistic person. But like that was really tough for me to see. And it, and it hurt. Not only because of the things people were saying, but but I'm just thinking so many of us know these people, right? So many of us know who they are. They We, we know them, right? We, we, we may not uh, know that, that that account, maybe they have a fake account spewing that hatred. But at the end of the day, like we, these are our, our kids who are 15, 16 years old that are just stirring the pot every single day. These are our coworkers that are just uh, diehard one way or the other way, that are just being blatantly disrespectful and mean to people. Uh, these are the people we know. And for us not to be putting an end to it, uh, it, it hurts me. Uh, and that's that's the, the situation that you're talking about. And yeah, it's tough, but it just makes me want to go even harder in the mission that I have of bringing mm-hmm. people together.
0: hmm Well, good. I'm glad. But I mean, yeah, that's, that's really sad. And yeah, that's just such a bummer when you see that people really think that way. And so I guess with that too... Obviously, these are real people. Like you said, these are your coworker or the kid, the kids at your school or whatever. That people really think this way and feel the need to share it online. How how do you recommend? I know we talked about kind of at home when we're talking with our kids and everything. How would you recommend people address those conversations? I'm I guess I'm just wondering because I think there's many of us that have been in these situations, whether we're white or um, a person of color. Do you have any tips for talking to people who think this way? I mean, who are just, for lack of a better term, racist or, you know, maybe maybe they're ignorant or whatever it is. Do you have any tips for those conversations? Because I think a lot of us, especially lately, have had them in our families, and I know um, I was talking with a friend who I actually interviewed for the podcast, and she has, she's white, but she's adop- she's adopted children, and she has two black sons, and she kind of said with her family, like, a lot of these topics get chalked up to politics, like, whether it's the coronavirus or whatever it is, but obviously racism goes far beyond politics, and she said a lot of conversations people would end them with well agree to disagree and she was like I, d- I don't think this is something we can agree to disagree on and i i mean even though i don't have black children i don't or i agree with her i feel like this is a humanitarian issue and a biblical issue like we can't just be like well guess we'll never agree it's fine i just i don't feel like i can leave it at that so so, yeah, I guess I'm just asking for some personal advice, um, but any tips you have for people who are having those really tough conversations?
1: Well, first, I want to applaud people that are doing so, because even with everything going on right now, I think 70% of people aren't even having them, right? I think we, we would think that more people are having them, which they are, but I'd probably say mm-hmm. 7 out of 10 families that need to have them, they're still not having them, um, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people that are, I commend you, number one, and number two- racism has nothing to do with politics in my eyes but we always make it political right we always do yeah. that and i don't think that people being wrong being, people being you know blatantly racist towards what somebody it has anything to do with our political structure it's a it's a personality thing it's a person thing it's a history of it's the history of that person's family it, it may be uh, an experience they had that they couldn't let go And it has to do with that person, right? I don't think it has anything to do with politics. Mm -hmm. We can put policies and policies in place left and right, but a policy doesn't change a person's heart. And that's something I truly believe. So don't ever make it political. Number two, I want to advise your friend and you as well. Don't lose family members over something like this, right? I think that Mm -hmm. uh, it takes time for people to, to change their perspective. I think it definitely takes time. But the worst thing I think can happen is me say, you know what? Uh, I believe white privilege is real. And you say, you know, I don't believe white privilege is real. And I say, you know what? Because of that, I'm never speaking to you ever again. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's the worst thing we can do by losing friends, losing family. And it takes time. It takes time for some people because you got to realize generations and generations of people have been taught the wrong thing. And so that's what we're up against. So don't be discouraged when you have that conversation and somebody says, agree to disagree, even though, you know, you shouldn't be able to you shouldn't have to agree to disagree just know that you're chipping away, right? Mm-hmm. You're chipping away slowly but surely. I believe at the overall mission of people understanding and being more empathetic and being humanitarian, like you said. Mm-hmm. So don't 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 be discouraged. Number two, uh, it definitely I don't think it's something you can agree to disagree on. Uh, I think it, it is a sinful thing that is going on. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like I said, it's people that have been taught, you know, the wrong worldly thing for decades and for me to think that I could just go in and give one speech, right? I may be able to change a heart, I may be able to change one person's perspective and then they can teach somebody else. But I know that it's going to take a lot of work. And hopefully by hearing my story, by hearing me share, people can have that initial spark. But I know what's going to happen, it's going to be those conversations that you're that you're saying that a lot of people aren't having like I like even though we think that people are having them, they're not. And I think that's what's going to lead to the change and people will say to themselves, you know what? You're right. I didn't choose the fact that I was born in, you know, this state. I didn't choose the fact that I was born to parents that, you know, were white that could work at a bank and could do X, Y, and Z in a time mm-hmm. where black people couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't choose the fact that they were teaching me these things when there was a, when they were wrong. Right? <laughs> I didn't choose those things, and I could love my parents to death, but but they could still be wrong on certain things, in in racism, and you know, maybe the time they were growing up when things were right, when things were segregated, when whenever it may it may be, we can we can think to ourselves, you know what? They didn't choose those things, and but they're wrong, and it's okay for them to be wrong on certain things, mm-hmm. and that's what the, some of the perspectives we need to have when we're going forward in our life.
0: Yeah, that's good. Thank you. That's a refreshing, refreshing to hear for me. All right, so I want to, you know, we're getting close to time, but I, I don't want to let you go without talking about your book, obviously, that you wrote. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? What inspired you to dive into children's stories. And I mean, it's a beautiful book. We we own it ourselves. And it's just great. I love the illustrations, especially. But can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write that and what it's about?
1: Yeah, well, first and foremost, I want to thank you for, for supporting and getting the book. I want to thank anybody that, that is listening that may have mm-hmm. the book. Uh, because you know, I think most people start off and they say they want to be an author or whatever it may be. And you know, they're nervous or they just want it to be a passion project, with it, which I did. I said, you know what? I get to share this message of unity to companies, uh, to, to, to colleges, mm-hmm. to high schools, to middle schools even. But I don't know how I can share this message of unity with our little people
0: mm-hmm.
1: without taking away their innocence. Right. I don't want to tell them that my mom was murdered because she was black, even though she was. I just say that something really sad happened to my mom. And that's what sparked this mission that I'm on mm-hmm. now. How would I do that? Getting this message across to kids. And children's book was the answer. Mm-hmm. So we wrote the children's book, Different, A Story About Loving Your Neighbor, uh, which came out June 17, 2020. I self-published it because, you know, a lot of the publishing companies were saying, Chris, we're going to take 95% or 90, 98%. And Chris, we wouldn't even publish it. You're, you're not an author yet. We don't know if it's going to be successful. And so I basically put my own fi- my own resources behind it. And I said, you know what? If I could just sell a thousand books, I'll break even. Mm-hmm. We'll be Okay. Right, my, my wife won't kill me. <laughs> so I said we can sell a thousand books, and I think in the first six hours we sold fifteen hundred books, oh, awesome. and now we're at fourteen thousand copies sold. Oh my god! And it was the best seller in, in its category for children's books for I think it was three months straight.
0: Wow!
1: So I, I'm extremely grateful, and you know I feel honored to have people that have supported it the way that mm-hmm. they have. But yeah, people can literally go just Google Chris Singleton book or mm-hmm. different a story about loving your neighbor or going to Amazon it's 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 everywhere.
0: Awesome. And did I see that you're writing another book?
1: I am. So my, my next book is called Your Life Matters. So it's actually coming out March of next year. And this basically came about when, you know, we saw certain things happening in the media happening with, you know, certain kids that were just scared of and they were asking the question, what well, does my life matter and stuff. And so mm-hmm. we wrote this book basically telling every black kid, every kid actually, that you know your life matters, and it's really good for people that don't have kids of, that are black or don't have kids that are that are uh, minorities. Maybe their kids aren't minorities, mm-hmm. but they can learn about black history in our country. We have different black heroes, I like to call them, such as you know Barack Obama, who was the first black president of the United mm-hmm. States. We have uh, Harriet Tubman. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Dr. King. We have George Washington Carver. We mm-hmm. have Jackie Robinson, one of my heroes, mm-hmm. broke the Hillary barrier in baseball. So there's so many different black heroes that we could teach our kids about with throughout this book. But it's basically telling kids, you know, your your life matters, your courage matters, your eye your eyes matter. You know, you you personally, yes, you matter. Uh, and I'm super excited about it coming out in March of next year.
0: Awesome. That's so cool. Well I'll keep an eye out for that one. I wanted to ask you too, so I, I obviously follow you on Instagram and I've seen you use this hashtag a lot, and I've wanted to ask what it is. You use the hashtag, can't let moms down. And I was wondering, is that something you started? And uh, what's the meaning behind that?
1: I started this hashtag about probably a month after my mom was killed. Mm -hmm. You know, I think for people, the Bible says we should honor our parents. and, And for me, every single thing that I do, I try to make my mom proud, right? She's no longer here on earth. I believe she's rejoicing in heaven, right? Seeing and, mm-hmm. and, and praising and loving, and I just think my mom is, is is having a great time. Right, her spirit is rejoicing right now. But on here on earth, everything that I do is to make my mom proud, make my dad proud, but especially my mom. And I think that that hashtag just came about when I'm just you know every every single thing I do is just not to let her down. So I said can't let moms down, and uh, I've been mm-hmm. doing that for f- five years now. That hashtag and people have started to post it as well. But I think it's for everybody, right? Because we all want to honor our parents mm-hmm. and do something to make them proud. And that's that's my way of doing so.
0: Yeah. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a few wrap-up questions. Are you okay for a few more minutes?
1: Sure thing. Let's do it.
0: Okay. So first one being, if you had to pick a main message that you want to leave people with today, what would that be?
1: I guess the main message that I spread is to remember that nobody chooses their skin color, right? Nobody chooses mm-hmm. their first language. Nobody chooses where they're born, so we should never judge somebody and hate somebody for things that they can't control.
0: Yeah, that's good. Thank you. And then a few fun ones. Okay, so if you had to pick, what would you say, especially as an author, what would you say is the most impactful book that you've read?
1: The most impactful book that I've read? A guy named Tim Grover. He, is, he was Michael Jordan's uh, basketball trainer. He was Kobe Bryant's basketball trainer. Dwayne Wade basketball trainer. He wrote a book mm-hmm. called Relentless. It's phenomenal. Uh, basically more of a, a perspective book, you know, a performance or like a self help performance book. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love it because it's helped me change my outlook on life and it was allowed me to go a lot harder than I think I could
0: I could. Okay. Cool. Good to know. I, I always love getting recommendations, so great to know. What about um, – is there anything that you've watched or listened to recently, like a documentary or a podcast or anything like that, that you think everyone should see or hear?
1: Ooh, I think – I just watched this on a plane like two days ago, but it's a guy by the name of Stefan Marbury. He had a – he's a basketball player played in the NBA for a, couple, for a number of years, played it over in China, actually has a statue in Beijing because they, they love him there. But <laughs> a documentary called A Kid from Coney Island. Um, oh, and yeah. this is a great documentary because as as fans, as supporters, we automatically look at athletes and say, oh, man, he's making $10 million a year. He's making $20 million a year. His life may, has to be easy.
0: Uh-huh. It
1: basically breaks it down how how tough it was for him growing up, and how he was the guy, right? Everybody, he couldn't mess up since he was in the seventh grade because he was everybody's savior. And so he just mm-hmm. talks about all that stuff, talks about the pressure of being an NBA player. And it's really good for people that love sports. So, A Kid from Coney Island is a documentary.
0: Okay, cool. And while I was asking, I thought I should probably point out the documentary that you were in recently, Emmanuel, right?
1: Of course, yeah. We actually toured on it. So me, the director, um, and a couple of the producers, we toured on it. We went around to different uh, states, different cities, to, to show the film before it released. We actually oh, went cool. to Facebook, Facebook's headquarters. We went out there to to share with them, which was really cool. Oh, yeah. Awesome. So yeah, it's called Emmanuel. People can look it up. It's on stars right now, streaming.
0: So did that come out during the pandemic? Just before it the came pandemic. Out-
1: uh, last year, so in 2019, June 17, 2019, it, it aired in theaters, it aired on Stars. And now, I think in 2020, during everything, we actually opened it up to be free for a lot of the different streaming oh, platforms. Okay. I think it was on Hulu as well. So, yeah, just, just check it out. Emmanuel with one N, you can find it.
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah, it was really good and fun to see your face too. But yeah, really good, really good documentary. Okay, and. Oh, last question. Okay. Do you have a brand or a product that you are really liking lately? Be it your book or something else.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, obviously I like my the stuff that I've created, but <laughs> I I really like well, there's a couple of things. I'll, I'll give you one, so I used to love the AirPods, but I've lost like four pair. My, I'm like, "Chris, you're not buying another pair." I love I love their I love those. Um another thing I love, uh, me and my wife, we actually just got rid of our cable and we use YouTube TV now, which I absolutely love. So that's something cool Mm -hmm, that we use throughout our whole house.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Does it get sports on it? Yes,
1: it does. It does. It gets all the sports on it. We got like a little home theater room that I have. So I get to watch all that stuff on our our TV in here. So yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, Other than that, no, I'm always interested in learning more about business um, because I'm terrible at like graphic design. I'm terrible at videography and stuff. And I really need Uh that when it comes up, you know, what I do and how I share. So sure. I always love learning about different things like that.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Good recommendations. You need to get yourself a AirPods case that's like attached to your keys or something so you don't lose them anymore. No, no but I will say Justin has put his through the washing machine before and uh, they still work amazingly. So <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> they're durable little things. <laughs> All right. So how can people find you if they want to connect with you, follow you online, you know, uh, read about m- more about what you do? How can they find you?
1: Yeah, I think most people can just go to ChrisSingleton.com. And from there, you can see all my social medias. My social medias are verified. It's just singleton underscore two. And people can mm-hmm. find me on uh, social medias, all of them.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, Chris, thank you again so much for taking the time. I know you are a busy, busy man. So I really appreciate you sitting down and sharing your story and Just taking the time to educate us because it's so important what you do. um, And I just am really excited to keep seeing where God takes you on this journey. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: If you are anything like me, you were probably taking all the mental notes you possibly could and trying to remember everything that Chris said. The good news is that this show is archived, so you can come back and re-listen to it whenever you need a good pep talk. You might have been thinking while you were listening of someone who you think really should hear this show. If that's you, I highly encourage you to share it with them. Like Chris said, this isn't something to lose relationships over, but we do need to keep the conversation going and not shy away from the tough topics, so share it with that person you think would learn a lot from the show. That being said, don't forget about what you can learn too, though. We're all imperfect, and if you listened last week, Chris taught us that we all have biases and stereotypes that we might not even be aware of. So let's all keep learning and getting better together. Chris has so many great resources for us. His book is one of them. Buy it for the kids in your life, or even just to have it around your own house, even if you don't have kids, okay? It's a great book. You're supporting an awesome cause, and it's something we can all learn from. And of course, make sure you keep an eye out for his next book releasing in March. I know I will be ordering it right away to have on the shelves for my kiddos. I would also highly recommend that you check out the documentary that Chris was in if you want to learn more about the shooting and the events that took place that day, but also the aftermath of it and the really, really special times that came out of that. Like Chris said, that documentary is free right now on Stars, free to stream. So go check it out. It is a must see. And of course, don't forget to follow him on social media in case you want some of that daily wisdom and inspiration that he gives. All the links to everything that Chris and I referenced today are in the show notes, and you can view those on whatever app you're listening to or on my website, heartfelthippie.com. Don't forget about leaving a rating and a review while you're looking at those and subscribing to the show. Subscribing is free, and it means that you will automatically receive every episode I release, and that way you won't miss anything. I would love to hear what you learned today. You can message me privately, or you could post on social media that you were listening and share what your biggest takeaway was. And like I mentioned, don't be afraid to share this specifically with people you think should hear it. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing. It means a lot to Chris and I both. Until next time, commit yourself to learning about the experiences of others who are different than you. Don't shy away from having the tough and uncomfortable conversations and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out.